This is the M1 Abrams battle tank, biggest tank that the Army has in their arsenal. It's a massive beast. It's one of the heaviest vehicles that the Army has, and we go about 35 miles an hour. We have four machine guns. For our gunner, you have the 120 millimeter main gun. Well, it looks very much like the United States will be sending about 30 of those Abrams battle tanks to Ukraine after initially saying no. An announcement is expected later this week to coincide with Germany's decision to also send several of their Leopard tanks. So will this be a game changer in the war in Ukraine? Malcolm Davies is a senior analyst at the Australian Strategic Policy Institute. Uh, Welcome to you. I'm curious about Germany's position here. They were kind of expending a lot of political capital by withholding these tanks uh, on what a lot of analysts said that they were going to do anyway. Why have the US and Germany changed their minds here? Look, I think uh, what you're seeing is some pretty much intense pressure, not only from the US, but also the the rest of Europe on Berlin to essentially step up and um, uh, honour its responsibilities to help Ukraine defeat the Russians. The Germans were claiming that, that if we sent tanks, then the war would escalate to a wider war between NATO and Russia. Uh, I think that's unlikely as a result of just sending tanks. Uh, but... Uh, if we hadn't have sent these tanks, if, the, if basically Berlin had had its way uh, and nothing had been sent, chances are the Ukrainians would have been defeated in upcoming Russian offensives, and that could have been far more dangerous. So a lot of pressure has gone on Berlin in the last week to get to this point. On the US side, uh, in terms of uh, their commitment of sending Abrams tanks, uh, my reading says that these tanks are so sophisticated that you can't just kind of gut them in terms of their uh, top-secret technology. And the real fear there was if one of these tanks fell into Russian uh, uh, control. Is that what held the US back? Uh, I think it was more that they were concerned that the Ukrainians would find it difficult to sustain them. Uh, as you say, these are complex uh, military systems. Um, uh, the uh, engine in them, the power pack, as it's called, is a jet turbine engine. So you have to service it in a very specialised way or you wreck a million-dollar engine. Uh, the other systems on board, the M1 Abrams, are quite sophisticated. So the Ukrainians are going to need time to get trained on how not only to drive the tank and fire the gun and so forth, but also to service and support them. Uh, And the M1s that are coming from the US are going to essentially be rebuilds uh, from old vehicles that are being built up to a new standard. So it will take some uh, months to actually get the M1s to the Ukrainians. It'll be the Leopards that'll get there first. And on the German Leopard tanks, I mean, you could almost understand why Germany was reluctant. I mean, they still want to maintain some relationship with Russia. There's the concern over further energy issues. Uh, But there's some interesting history here about German tanks in Ukraine during World War II. Well, that's correct. I mean, the Germans are kind of falling back on that in the sense of, uh, you know, we've got a special responsibility not to engage in military behaviour after their actions in the Second World War. But I would argue that their very actions in the Second World War demand that they actually step up and assist Ukraine to stop Russia because what we're facing here essentially is a new threat like Nazi Germany where Russia does have territorial ambitions beyond Ukraine and if we allow Russia to win in Ukraine then we are sowing the seeds for a much wider war in Europe in coming years. So it's absolutely vital that we don't fall into the trap of peace in our time thinking 
whereby we essentially uh, hold back uh, and and prevent Ukraine from actually winning this war in in some sort of vain hope for a return to the status quo ante. That is never going to happen with the Putin regime, okay? Um, So long as Putin and his colleagues are in power, there is never going to be a return to a peaceful and stable Europe. Uh, Malcolm, this is a war of attrition. Uh, Russia certainly has much vastly greater reserves uh, in terms of inventory than Ukraine. Is this a case of Ukraine working smarter with less? I think so, and they've been doing that. Uh, They've been holding their own very effectively. Obviously, Western military assistance to Ukraine has really been fundamental, in particular systems such as the HIMARS system, that have enabled them to undertake long-range strikes against Russian forces. But, you know, the Ukrainians have been demonstrating just how professional and effective they are in comparison to the rather incompetent Russian troops. And I think the concern now is that Putin, having learned the lessons of the first year of this war, is now uh, reinforcing Russian forces, building up a large mobilisation for these offensives that are likely to happen from late February onwards. And the Ukrainians, as good as they are, may not have the means to stop them. So that's why we have to move very quickly to assist the Ukrainians and defeat the Russians at this point. Dare I ask, how will Russia respond? Well, look, the, obviously the Germans are concerned about escalation. You know, they are saying that, oh, if we send the tanks, then the Russians will attack NATO. If the Russians did that, then Article 5 would come into effect and NATO would enter the war against the Russians. I don't think it's likely that the Russians will attack NATO purely on the basis of these tanks. Uh, I think the real risk, the real danger for escalation occurs later this year. Uh, if the Ukrainians are successful and start to uh, be able to look, talk about taking Crimea. At that point, Putin will be facing uh, the prospect of catastrophic defeat in Ukraine. Uh, and the risks are that Putin then could get desperate and start to think about use of tactical nuclear weapons. If he does that, if he uses a tactical nuclear weapon in Ukraine, uh, then NATO would have to intervene to respond to that. Um, but I don't think we're at that point just yet. Malcolm, it's a pleasure to have your insights. Malcolm Davies, he's a senior analyst at the Australian Strategic Policy Institute, or ASPE, as it's commonly referred to. Good afternoon to you. Thank you very much. And that's it from me today. PM is coming up next uh, with Samantha Donovan and stay with Radio National at six o'clock tonight. Andrew West is back with the very first episode of Religion and Ethics for 2023. Thank you so much for all of your texts today. Certainly a mixed response uh, to my interview with Dennis King from the Kangaroo Industry Association about kangaroo products being banned in the US. This one says I was a vegetarian for nine years. Nowadays I eat kangaroo as a source of iron and delicious red meat. I also feed it to my dog and I'd be happy to wear kangaroo leather shoes. It's much more sustainable to eat and use these soft-footed native animals whose numbers are out of balance due to colonial practices. Thank you for all of your text messages this hour. Appreciate every single one. 0418226576. You can catch up on all of my interviews on the RN website or on the Listen app. News time, actually PM now with Samantha Donovan. ABC RN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.